This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. John 7:37, John 7:37, in that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, "If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink." to the empty, to the unfulfilled, to the yearning, to the person looking for answers in life, to the person who's looking for more to life than he's made able to find, Jesus says, come to me, come to my person, I'll fulfill your life. So this is one aspect here. And now, in the same scene now, again, the national decision of Israel to reject Christ, you know, what we're seeing here is the is really very simply put in John 111 John 111 he came unto his own and his own received him not that's what we're looking at now we've looked at that scene from from that scene from that aspect we've looked at the scene of the sufferings of Christ of how the word of God's promise was trying Christ during it all and now God turns us to see a different scene which is the fall of Peter, the fall of Peter during the sufferings of Christ. This is part of the integral fabric of this scene of the sufferings of Christ, which is the fall of Peter. And God has inserted this history for us in the middle of this momentous history of the sufferings of Christ so that we can learn from Peter's fall. Peter fell tremendously, tremendously, Can't overstate that, but he got up again tremendously by repentance, and that's what counts, the way of return after a fall. Peter's fall, don't discount this fall. This was a big fall because of what Christ had said in the past in Matthew 10, 32, Matthew 10, 32, when Christ said, "'Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men,' him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny my my Father in heaven. Peter denied Christ. Don't make any mistake about it. He denied Christ, which meant Peter was in danger of Christ denying Peter before God the Father. But Peter recovered through repentance Luke 12, 8, Luke 12, 8, Jesus said, I say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I, shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denies me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. Peter denied Christ, which meant that Peter was in danger of Christ denying him before the angels of God. But he recovered. 
through repentance, Luke 9.26, Luke 9.26, whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Peter was ashamed of Christ, which meant Peter was in danger of Christ being ashamed of Peter, but he repented. God's focus now in this history, in verse 69, where Christ is, what Peter did during the humiliation of Christ, is he starts off by saying in verse 69, verse 69, he gives us a position, a place. Peter sat without in the palace. So we see Peter here. He's sitting there in that palace while Christ is being humiliated, being beaten. And we want to say to Peter, Peter, what are you doing there? Peter, that's no place for you to be. Leave, Peter. Go with your fellow believers. Go find them and pray. Get on your knees. But Peter stayed there. Why? Why do you stay there? We don't know. We could ask him. Probably curiosity. Just want to see what's going to happen. But Peter found himself in some bad company. And Peter thrust himself into that place, into that dangerous place. And, and Peter has in his mind, I'll just hide. I'll just hide. I'm a follower of Christ, but I'll, I'll just blend in. Peter's thinking, I'll blend in. Never works. Never works. Whenever a saved person tries to just blend in with the lost, he's going to be coming out with some serious guilt and some serious pain. Peter did. That's because a saved person just can't blend in with the lost. When a saved person ventures into the devil's ground, which the Bible calls the world, then the devil will see to it that that saved person doesn't just blend in. A saved person cannot just blend in into the devil's ground. Reminds me of the time when my friend John was visiting our Scanabody's Ethiopia facility in Budajira. And John, this evening, particular evening, John was on the phone speaking to one of our staff members in Santee. And that person was reading to John, a lot of trouble had come in Ethiopia. U.S. State Department has issued a warning that all U.S. citizens should leave because U.S. citizens have been killed in that area. And uh, now... You got to picture this. John is about my size. Okay, we don't go to normal stores. We go to tents and awnings for clothes. You know, <laughs> and um, and everyone in Budajira is black. Okay, there's no white person in Budajira, and they're all very very thin. All right. So John's on the phone with this guy in Santee, and he's reading all these things, and then he just gives John advice. He says, John. Just try to blend in. <laughs> try to blend in. This guy who he's talking to is also shops at Tents and Awnings. And he said that when he was in Budajir, he caused three bicycle accidents because people did this when they crashed, you know. And so he told John, John, just try to blend in. <laughs> A large white person in Budajira can no better just blend in than a safe person can just blend into the world of the lost. And later in the book of Acts, 
Peter will call back to his memory this very painful experience of trying to just blend in. In Acts 2.40, Acts 2.41, Peter will say, save yourselves from this untoward generation. He says the word untoward generation. It's very interesting. The Greek word that's used there for untoward is the word scoliosis. Scolios, no, it's it's scolios in in Greek, it's scolios, from which we get our name scoliosis, which is a deformity, terrible deformity of the spine. Reminds me of an Ethiopian boy named Semenyu. Semenyu that I knew because Dr. Rick Hodes, an Orthodox Jewish man supported by the Jewish Federation in Addis Ababa, Dr. Rick Hodes ended up adopting uh, Semenyu, along with four others. He had five. He wasn't married, Rick. He had five. I met his mother up in Encinitas, and she said to me one time, yes, my Jewish son, Rick, has five children. They're all black. <laughs> she said, <laughs> anyway, Rick is an Orthodox Jew in Addis Ababa, supported by the Jewish Federation, and one, one day, Rick found Semenyu on the streets of Addis Ababa begging I got to know him. Semenyu had scoliosis so bad that his back looked like the letter L. He looked like the letter L. He was bent over. He lived a few hundred miles north of Addis Ababa, and he was in such pain from his scoliosis, very painful, that when he went to school, he, he, he couldn't sit in the seats, the chairs of the schoolroom, so he just lay in the dirt playground at the school because he couldn't sit in the classroom chairs. And his classmates would come and bring him food out there when he was laying in the dirt. And they told him, you gotta get help. There's no help in this village, you gotta go to Addis. So he went out one day in front of his school and stuck his thumb out and hitchhiked his way with truckers who felt sorry for him, brought him all the way into Addis and and Rick found him on the street. And Rick adopted him and paid for him to go to Ghana the Ghana, where they have some expert surgeons who did the surgery, operated on him, took the spine, his spine, and just set it down on his hip, straighten him out. And I met Semenyu after the surgery in Washington, D.C., because he was visiting my friend Ethiopian Temeskin. And Temeskin and I sat out one afternoon, one sunny afternoon out in the house there, and I read to Semenyu, This passage that we just were looking at in John 9 about the man who was born blind and healed. And the question that was posed by the disciples when they saw this man who was born blind in John 9 was, who did sin? His, him or his parents that he was born blind? And when I read that, Semenyu jumped up and said, yes, this is my question in life. Who did something wrong that I was born with scoliosis? And then Temeskin and I explained that it was for the glory of God so that Semenyu could be there that day in Washington, D.C. and come to Jesus Christ and be saved. And that day he did. He bowed his head and he received Christ. That was the day when, when, when a new life for Semenyu started and I gave Semenyu a Bible. Well, Rick, his adoptive father here, he tried to make Semenyu Jewish. (laughs) But Semenyu didn't want to be Jewish. He received Christ, 
and he wanted to go to a, a Bible-based high school, and so Rick brought him over to the States, and so Rick was gonna go back to, to work in Otis, and so he needed to get him in a boarding school. Well, Rick didn't know about Bible-based high schools, and so Rick didn't know where to send his adopted son Semenyu for high school, so Rick did some research, and he found a Quaker <laughs> boarding school <laughs> in Ohio called Only Friends, and, and, uh, and he sent him there. And he went there, and I had the privilege of being there on the day when Semenyu graduated from high school. And I watched him stand up straight there, and he walked across the stage to get his diploma. Well, Semenyu's scoliosis was corrected by surgeons in Ghana. More importantly, Semenyu's sin was corrected by, by the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, why are you telling us that story? I'm wondering that too also. But all of this is just to say how serious a problem scoliosis is. It makes it crooked, very crooked. And this is the word that Paul used when he said in Acts 2.40, Acts 2.40, save yourself from this scolios generation, this crooked generation. Well, anyway, there's Peter sitting among the lost in verse 69, among a scolios generation, crooked, and, and he's trying to just blend in. Now we read that a damsel comes up to Peter. She's a young girl. She's a young, she's a young servant girl. She's probably taking care of the door. She's not, she's not even grown up. She's just a girl, and she comes to him in verse 69, verse 69. So the damsel came up to him saying, thou also was with Jesus of, Naz- of Galilee. And so Peter has been accused of just being with What an opportunity for Peter to say, yes, I was, and take his stand for Christ. But sadly, Peter takes another tack in verse 70, but he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. Well, with that response, what's he saying, Peter? Peter's saying, I don't understand. I don't understand. What is it you don't understand, Peter? I do not understand what you mean by the word with. Uh, do, you, do you mean that I'm on the same planet Earth with him? Yes. Do you mean that I've seen Jesus of Nazareth in the past? I really don't understand what you mean by the word with. And, and I, so I don't know what you're saying. Actually, I don't even know who you're talking about, this Jesus of, of Galilee. Is that the person who's on trial here? I, just, I, I don't understand. I just don't understand. You know, Peter hoped that this strategy of I don't understand would just work and get the spotlight off him. He would like to say, I'm Japanese and I only speak Japanese, sorry, you know. (laughs) Because all he wants to do is just get out of this as fast as possible. But he's still curious what's gonna happen to Christ. So instead of leaving altogether, he just slips out to another porch and we can see what happens there in verse 71 to verse 71, where he was gone out into the porch, and another maid saw him and said unto him, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. Here again, Peter is like in an oh no situation again. But this time, he doesn't say, I don't understand what you're saying, but instead, he addresses the accusation head on in verse 72, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. So his response is very strong. Very strong here. Peter denies to have been with Christ by saying he doesn't know the man, but he has in the past. He, he knows who Christ is. He's the one who said in, ver, in Matthew 16, 15, Matthew 16, 15, he said to, Jesus said to him, by whom say that I am? 
And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus said, You're blessed, and you didn't see that on your own, but the Father in heaven revealed it to you. It's by the coast of Caesarea that all this had happened. He knew who Jesus was. He was the one who made the great statement. But now in the heat of the moment, Peter has said that he's just a man. He's only a man. I don't know. I don't know the man. Not the Messiah, not God the Son, just a man. He doesn't know the man. He doesn't say he doesn't just know the man. He takes an oath about the whole thing. He says in verse 72, he's essentially saying, he's saying, God's my witness. I don't know the man. May God strike me down dead if I'm lying to you. I swear to God, I don't know. That's what he's saying. This is shocking for us. This is shocking. We ask, what happened to Peter that he fell so terribly? And now it appears in all this commotion that finally things have calmed down a little bit. He begins to, he begins to feel a little more secure. You know, people stop asking about his association with Christ. And it says in verse 73, after, verse 73, after a while came unto him they that stood by said it to Peter, surely thou also wert one of them, my speech bereath So now a group is assembled, and we know more about this group from Luke twenty-two fifty-nine, Luke twenty-two fifty-nine, where it says, about the space of an hour, one hour after another confidently affirmed, saying, of a truth, this fellow also was with him. He's a Galilean. Peter says, I know not what thou sayest, and immediately while he had spoke the cock group. So from Luke, we understand that a time period of an hour has gone by since the last accusation. And now this person comes in Luke 22, 59, Luke 22, 59, and he says this, he is confidently affirmed. That means this person is saying, I'm 100% sure that this person was with Jesus Christ. Now, who is this person who's, got, who's so sure? Well, we got that in John 18, 26, John 18, 26. He's one of the servants of the high priest being a kinsman whose ear Peter cut off, saith, did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter denied immediately cockroach. So it's the servant of the high priest. He's had his ear cut off by Peter. You kind of remember somebody who does something like that to you. And the, this person has come forward. Maybe I can imagine you coming forward like this, feeling his ear. He's remembering this, I saw him with that sharp, razor-sharp sword in his hand. He tried to split my head open. He's such a bad aim that he got my ear instead. In essence, he's saying, I remember you. The last time I saw you, you were lunging toward me with that sword. And he cut my ear off. I'm sure it was you. Doesn't happen to me every day. And, and the person comes right up to Peter. Did not I see you with him in the garden? And again, the accusation, Peter was with Jesus. Well, this man does not want to publicly say that Peter cut off his ear. Why? Because people would look at his ear and say, well, your ear's not cut off. He said, well, that's the other side of the story. Well, what's the other side of the story? Well, Jesus put it back on. Jesus put it back on at a trial where, 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 where Jesus being condemned for claiming to be God and the Messiah, a testimony about Jesus putting it, miraculously putting severed ear back, that's not helpful. So let's not talk about that. I'm just sure I saw you in the garden, that's all. This is too much for Peter. Peter feels that he's got to increase the pushback, got to turn up the volume here a little bit. So what, it, what he does now is that 
he just lets loose a string of very foul, shocking, crude, cursing, and swearing. We don't need to know the details about this, just suffice it to say, but he's there just to shock his accusers back. And, and he does this all for the third time, verse 74, I know not the man, I know not the man. Very serious when he says this. I know not the man, because in Matthew 7, 21, Matthew 7, 21, Jesus goes through a history about many people saying to him, Lord, Lord, and finally, when he casts them into hell, he says, I don't know you, I don't know you. And then when Christ is praying to the Father, he's giving a definition of eternal life in John 17, 3, John 17, 3, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God. Well, Peter said, I don't know him. In a characteristic of one of Christ's sheep, he says in John 10, 14, John 10, 14, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and am known of mine. Peter says, I don't know him. What happened? This is the same Peter who in Mark 14, 29, Mark 14, 29, Peter said unto him, although all shall be offended, yet will not I. Well, that shows us the root problem of how Peter fell. It's all about 1 Corinthians 10, 12. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. That verse has Peter written all over it. That person who thinks that I'll never fall away from Christ, not me, he's the one who's in danger of falling away from Christ. The safe position in life is not, though everybody be offended, I won't. The safe position is Proverbs 28, 14. Proverbs 28, 14. Happy is the man that feareth always, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. Happiness comes from look, looking at what happened to Peter and say, that's me. I could very easily fall into that same horrible denial of Christ, and I'm afraid. I'm afraid of that, as opposed to the hardening of the heart and saying, not me, not me. It all comes down to pride. Pride compares with others. Pride says, I'm better than everyone else. See, Peter says in Mark 14, 29, Mark 14, 29, Peter said unto him, although all shall be offended, yet will not I. That's comparison. With that statement, he's looking at his comrades and he's saying, I can understand how these guys would fall with me. Of course, just look at them. You know, uh, they're weak, but I'm not. I'm strong. That's pride. That's pride. And Peter, he did this horrible thing, but he came out of it. And it's important to compare Peter and Judas. It's important because they both sinned during this time. But Judas Iscariot. He also looked for repentance, but he couldn't find it. And the sadness that Judas experienced was over the consequences of what he did rather than for the horribleness of what he did. Whereas Peter was sad over the horribleness of what he did. And a major difference, a major difference between Judas and Peter, it can be seen like this. In the case of Judas, he thought about this. This cogitated in his mind a little bit. I think I'll do this. I'm gonna go here and ask for a bribe. And I'll just say, premeditated, see? 
Judas thought about what he was gonna do in the betraying of Christ for a long time. Judas was not cornered, he wasn't pushed, he wasn't challenged, he wasn't shocked in his betrayal of Christ. It was a decision that Judas made. Whereas, in the case of Peter, Peter was pushed, he was challenged, he was shocked into the moment of his denial of Christ, and he regretted what he did. And when Christ turned and looked back at him with that loving look, it melted Peter's heart. That's the difference. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for keeping the door open for anyone to come back to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.